following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. It starts with the heart. The Bible has so much to say about the heart. But before I do, I just want to talk about how amazing the capacity of the heart really is. The heart is so amazing in God's design and its capacity. Uh, Here's some facts about the heart. Uh, Every creature on earth has approximately 2 billion heartbeats in its lifetime. And the hummingbird's heart beats so fast, it's like 10 times a second. And because of that, it only lives about two years. And sadly, the the normal cause of death for a hummingbird is heart failure. Think of that heart just zipping along, two years, never stopping, just... Never slowing down. Uh, The tortoise, on the other hand, that heart beats really slow, and they can live to be 200 years old. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Uh, The biggest heart in the world is inside of a blue whale. It's the size of a room, and it weighs seven tons. You can actually walk through the valves. Pretty amazing, huh? But the heart has amazing capacity, and in God's word, the heart has amazing capacity. The Bible's got so much to say about the heart. Today, I'm hoping we're going to get in on some revelation, on some things about the heart, the condition of our hearts. We're going to talk about the capacity of our hearts and the cure for our hearts, because the human hearts need some cures, and Jesus is the answer, and Jesus has some bigger provisions than many people come to terms with. When, when you ask people, if you ask people on the street, who is Jesus and what did he come to do, they don't really fully understand the magnitude of what Jesus provided. So today, capacity, the cure, and the condition of the heart. Um, The Bible has a lot to say about it, and we're not talking about the heart physically speaking. We're talking about the heart spiritually speaking. And the Bible views the heart as the center of our emotions, the center of our desires and our passions and our will. See, our will and our passions and desires don't really come from our brain. It comes from our heart, or spiritually speaking, the center of the very person. And God has been dealing with hearts for a long time. The Bible has a lot of different things to say about the heart. It's the place where God reaches out to us. It's also the place where we respond to God, not necessarily in our brain, but in our heart, the very center of who we are, the very core of our humanity is our heart, our will, our conscience residing in what the Bible refers to as our heart. And because of that, because so much uh, hinges on the condition of our heart, Uh, There's some profound things. Um, Last week, we looked at the parable of the sower. Many of you guys know the story if you weren't here. Jesus is talking about uh, the sower uh, scattering seed. Some falls on the rocky path and the birds eat it up and it gets stepped on. Uh, Others fall along the the rocky soil or the rocks and it comes up, but it, it doesn't have much substance in the soil. And so it withers really quickly. And then some other Uh, grows up with the weeds. And so there's weeds growing up with the plant. And unfortunately, the weeds choke out the life of the plant. Yet, the last seed that was planted in good soil, it actually grew to give a hundredfold return on the seed that was put in it. Our conclusion that Jesus was saying is that the soil is the only different thing in in the sequence of the parable. The soil is your heart and my heart. And depending on the condition of our heart, is, is, the, is the, uh, the, the capacity through which God can grow beautiful things. God wants to grow things in you and through you, in me and through me, and he is scattering seed all the time. Today, God is scattering seed. 
And he's not done scattering seed. He's, he's scattering seeds of his kingdom. And what the display of children of God should look like in this city. You were born in this time, in this place, for a very definitive purpose and reason. God is scattering seed for you and I to recognize Jesus in response to that seed. And then grow in the fruition of what that display looks like. And it's a glorious display. It's a better display than you and I could ever make up on our own. No eye has seen or ear has heard what God has in store for those who love him. God is your designer. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so when we talk about the heart, we really got to come to terms with, is there anything in the way in my soil that's not going to allow the fruition that God wants in my life that could be there? Is there things in my soil? And, And through life, we are dealt some blows in our hearts. We get hurt and chipped and dinged and wounded along the way, and our heart goes through some stuff. And if we're not careful, this heart can get hardened. And that is one of the first things the Bible addresses. God scattering seed, however, sometimes people's hearts are hardened. I know what that is because I had a hard heart too. I came up with a rough life and an early upbringing that was, that was pretty tough. And, you know, I learned to harden my heart really young. And as a result of it, I, when I'd heard the gospel and I heard about Jesus, I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. I can believe in God and I'm fine. I don't have to read my Bible or accept him as my Lord. And I, I had a real hard heart on, and I was not open. I was not pliable to the seed of the gospel in the first place. The Bible has a lot to say about hard hearts. Pharaoh had a hard heart. He was opposed to God, but not just Pharaoh or people being opposed to God. The Bible uses the, the term of a hard heart when, when you and I refuse to walk in faith and our hearts are hard and we're not trusting God. So even the disciples, Jesus said, had a hard heart at times. And my prayer is that we discover this as we unpack this, as we look at the condition of our hearts today, that you and I will not be afraid. Let me say that again. As we look at our hearts today, that you and I will not be afraid to roll up our sleeves and get our hands in the soil and start turning some soil. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at not just the capacity, the condition, but the cure. And it's going to take you and I turning some soil and getting intentional about working out some things so that we can have the kind of heart where God is saying, that is beautiful. I can plant some stuff in there. Because the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for hearts that are completely his so that he can strongly support them. That's been God's thesis for a long time. Looking for people, not with the greatest talent, the greatest capacity. In fact, oftentimes he uses people with a lesser capacity. He took Israel the least likely to succeed and made them a nation to influence the world. Jesus came from Nazareth and you know Bethlehem through Mary and and, and you just look at the story, the chronology, and you're like, wow, God, your choices amaze me. But he is looking for hearts that are just in the right place with him, that he can do radical and explosive things, things that you will never regret, things that on the other side of life, when we're checking out of this life in the rearview mirror, you're looking at your life, you'll be one of two people. You'll be a person that said, I am fine, leave me alone, don't mess with my heart. That's, an often, that's a, a response that many people have. Sometimes as people get older, they can get bitter. Their hearts can get hard. Or they've made a cho- choice early on to let their heart be open and let their heart be moldable by God. And they live the rest of their years with joy and living for the glory of God and bearing fruit in everything they do. 
It's really a choice, but you and I have to be willing. The first point, if you're a note-taker today, and this is a summary of last week, but I think it's important that we, we launch out on this, is, is the condition of my heart will determine what God can grow in me. That is the determining factor. The condition of my heart will determine what God can plant in me. Luke 8 explains that. He's scattering seed. What condition is the soil of your heart? Because the condition of your soil will completely determine what God can and can't grow in you or what he wants to grow, but our weeds are choking it out or our soil is not deep enough or rich enough and and there's no life or it can turn to be a hundredfold, which is explosive. What a great return on God's investment, huh? That he puts seed in us that can be a hundredfold by the power of God. It's beautiful. But the condition of my heart will determine what God can grow in me. Uh, Jesus said many things about the heart. One thing he said is in Matthew 5, 8, he says this, and and this could even be our thesis for today because we're looking at a bunch of different scriptures regarding the heart. Um, Jesus said, as he's explaining to people on a hillside, thousands of people, he's explaining this is what the kingdom of God's like, and much of it has to do with your heart condition. Whether you even get it, whether you acknowledge it, whether you recognize it, whether you see it, whether you participate in God's kingdom has to do with this Cortison right here, this heart. And Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The pure in heart will see God. That tells me hard hearts do not see God, right? Hard hearts don't see God. Pure hearts see God. Hearts that are moldable and pliable and that are open to what God wants to do will actually see God. See the things of the kingdom. See his provision. See what he's doing among us. You know, a hard heart starts to, and it's the opposite of a, a pure heart that's open. A hard heart begins to shut down and get very cynical and very critical about things and people and places and all sorts of stuff. And it starts to shut down. It doesn't function in faith anymore. It starts to get hard, starts to hang on for what it has, and it is not room or there's no room or flexibility for what God wants to do. A pure heart is God. My heart's open before you. Shape it, mold it, do what you want to do with this heart of mine, God. And he'd say, beautiful, with that kind of heart, you can actually see God. You will see my kingdom if your heart is in a pliable place, is what God is saying. And this is important because our heart condition matters so much. So our second point this morning is that the condition of my heart determines my ability to see. My ability to see, spiritually speaking, My ability to speak. Can I sense at all what God is wanting to do in my life? Can you sense at all what God wants to do in your life? It's going to be based on the condition of your heart. When the heart is in a pliable place, when we let God start turning some soil and getting some rocks out of the way and pulling some weeds out, that our heart is, we don't have perfect hearts, but he's working out this heart through this sanctification process in life. But he will partner with us and he will work with us and he, he loves this stuff. In fact, he came for the condition of the human heart. That's why Jesus came, is because of the condition of the human heart. Um, the heart sees things that the brain knows nothing about. That's the capacity of the heart. The heart sees things the brain doesn't know about. The brain can't cognitively get a grasp on things that the heart can actually see. And that's God's design, that the heart, led by the Spirit of God, can actually get in on dimensions and revelation and actually see perspective that the brain can't clock with. The brain doesn't have the capacity. 
That's why the word says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, but lean not on your own understanding because the brain can't crack the code. The brain can't figure out God's kingdom, but the heart that's moldable and, and shapeable by the spirit of God actually can start to see stuff and get in on stuff. And that's why the word also says in Hebrews 3.15, today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Isn't that amazing? Can we turn that down just a little bit, please, John? He says, if you, if you hear my heart, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart because God is trying to speak and we can have an open, receptive heart to the kingdom and get in on stuff. Or we choose to be cynical and shut down and locked in. And this is the, the condition that, that's all throughout the Bible. God alone sees the heart. The heart alone sees God. God sees our hearts clearly. In fact, God knows them better than we do. And it's our heart that makes a response to God. And that's why the, we use the analogy, I stand at the door of your heart, it says in Revelation, and I knock. I want to get into your life. I'm not trying to get into your brain. I'm not trying to just get in your body. I want to get in your heart because your heart is the center of the whole human core of your person. It's your, it's your spiritual DNA in there. And Jesus is like, I want to come in. Can I come in, please? I love you, and I'm knocking at the door, and I'm not going to leave until you let me in because I love you so much. And then when you let him in, he begins to show things, and he helps us do some rearranging in there, and he, he takes away our, our sins and puts his spirit in us, but the rest is a sanctification process. The rest is a process of saying, hey, I want to work on this garden. You've got, you got a garden inside here, and there's amazing capacity, but can we work together? Can we, can we get some stuff out of the way? There's some stuff from way back in the old days. It just needs to go. God would say, I know you love me. I know you're forgiven, but there's still some junk in there. There's still some stuff that's in the soil and we can't grow good stuff. There's weeds in there that are trying to choke. The soil isn't where it needs to be. Can we work on that? And my prayer today is that you and I would be a person who not only recognizes the need for this, but is literally gonna say, yes, God, it's on, it's time. Do what we need to do in this heart over here because I don't wanna go through the next 30 years or whatever like the last 30 years carrying the same old stuff, maybe learning more about God, maybe showing up to more church services and reading my Bible more, but not getting liberated and not being free and not having the fruition from this heart because the soil ain't right. And so Jesus is sharing because he still wants to plant seeds in your heart and in mine today. In fact, it says Proverbs 4.23, I love this scripture. You might wanna read it more later, but it says this, it says that the heart is the actual wellspring of life. Say that with me, wellspring of life. One more time, wellspring of life. The heart is the wellspring of life. Your heart and mine is the source of what can be so life-giving. If, especially if God is in it. But the heart can be a wellspring. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Uh, like a well, our hearts give life. There's things that come out of our, our lives that really come out of our hearts, whether it's thoughts, words, and actions. And Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty four, from the outflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, so really, it's not coming from our brain. It's really when we say things, uh, we're, we're, we're making expressions of our heart condition. Uh, really, when we do things, it's really our heart condition. Our heart is the source from where all these things flow from. And that's why Jesus came for the hearts, hearts of men and women. Um, but they have a, a major outflow effect on everyone around us. That's another reason why our hearts are a wellspring. 
Because what I say and do affects those around me and what you say and do affects those around you. And your heart is in fact a wellspring. What bubbles up in us and comes out of us affects all around us. In fact, the heart is a, is a wellspring. And he's saying because it's a wellspring, because your heart is a wellspring, guard it. Guard your heart above all else. That doesn't mean get to know people and be vulnerable. It doesn't mean that. It means guard your heart. Picture yourself back in the old days where you needed to live off of well water to live. There was no water around except for you built a a well. And the Bible's talking about Jacob's well or the wells that Jacob built out in the desert. You need water, there's a well. You can put your bucket down and get some fresh water that will sustain your life. Now, if that well is so important to you, if you and your family, if you have children and your friends, your community, everyone around you is being sustained by that water in that well. Are you going to walk away from that well and leave it unguarded? If an enemy comes by in biblical times, would you leave the well unguarded? No way. You know what the enemy did back then? The same thing he does today. He poisoned wells. In the Bible, that was a tactic of the enemy, is to poison a well. So they'd come and take all kinds of whatever it was, sulfur or something, they would just throw it all in the well, and now it's wrecked. Now you can't drink that, you can't feed your animals with that. You got to move on somewhere and find some more water because the enemy poisoned the well. Well, there is an enemy in the Bible. He's called the devil. He would love to poison wells. In fact, there's been things that have happened in our life from the past that the Bible says the enemy meant for harm, but God would like to use for good. There are things back there that he would like our wells to be poisoned. Why? Because it's the outflow of life. And there's things that got in. And this is where we're going we're gonna to segue with this because it is so important. Um, is your heart condition a priority? And if not, will you make it a priority? Because I want you to join me in this next sequence of where we're going. And what I have to say next, I believe what the word of God says or puts before us as principles has so much capacity in it, so much capacity. Um, if we are willing to take some steps and learn what the condition of the heart is and what God's cure is, I believe you and I, can get alone with God and spend some quality time with this Holy Spirit. And I believe you can get more life change out of some pure time with the Holy Spirit than you can out of a lifetime of counseling. A lifetime. And there's some people who keep going back. I'm not knocking it. Hey, whatever you you feel you need to do. But I am telling you that there are issues in life the Bible calls sin, that psychology calls sin, dysfunction, or it doesn't even, you know, some lighter words than that. There's a lot of names we use to describe uh, things. The Bible says it's sin. It's our sin nature. We all have it. And so to God, who's our creator for the cure of our nature and find freedom and revelation in his design is beautiful. We're going to look at some issues of the heart that God has a cure for. And that if we will really spend some intimate time unpacking some of these things, there would be greater uh, transformation of our hearts in quality time with the Holy Spirit than years of counseling can bring. I really believe that. Um, so basically, we're talking about turning the soil, digging in. And, and when you dig in, this is why a lot of people are reluctant to do this. Because we don't know what we're going to find. And we almost don't want to know what we're going to find sometimes. Anybody ever have anything from back there that you really not care not to turn the rock over? Can I get some honesty in God's house? Okay. Yeah, yeah, not really, no, not looking forward to that. I'd rather go, you know, have some lunch after church and watch a football game, hang out with my friends. No, 
We're not looking for, this is not an exciting, oh great, let me go turn over some rocks and find out, see what I'll find there. But I'm telling you, here's the thing about the kingdom of God. When you accept Jesus as your Lord, our sins are taken away, our, his spirit is put in us, and our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the, that's the uh, prescription that God has for his people. That's the gospel, the good news. It's free, can't earn it, can't buy it, don't deserve it, but you get it anyway. By faith, turn and follow. Beautiful. But this process of sanctification, or as the Bible says, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, not work out being saved, that's a free gift, but work out the stuff, renewing your mind and all the stuff the Bible says about transform, conforming our heart to his image and being, all this stuff is a process going on. And I want to encourage you, it's not just a process of reading your word and growing in faith as you serve God in the kingdom, that's part of it. Part of it is going back and dealing with stuff that's messing with you or I for our freedom and for our future. The Bible says to throw off the sin and the things that so easily entangle. Now, when the Bible's saying that in Romans, he's writing that to Christians. Christians, people who are forgiven and have the Spirit in them. He's saying to them and to me and to you, there are still things that entangle us. Don't say, no, nothing entangles me, I'm a Christian. Wrong. There are things that entangle us. And they creep up. And he's saying, throw off sin, throw off stuff that entangles. Because we want to run a race to win for the glory of God. And there's always stuff trying to creep up and entangle. You and I need to recognize what it is. We need to realize that the place where God's trying to grow fruition is in our hearts. And as we start to turn soil and start to look and start going, yeah, God, you don't want that in there. Oh, you definitely don't want that in there. But be intentional to go back. I think it's really important. Again, one of them is a hardened heart. The Bible refers to that as a calloused heart. We talked last week, when you get calluses, you just don't feel that well anymore. You don't feel much. God wants your heart to feel. But sometimes to survive, we stop feeling along the way. We feel, hey, I just got to man up and be about my business, or I got I to toughen up and I can't. That's not the kingdom. That's our own understanding. And that's a defense mechanism. And that's self-preservation in some kind of way. And God says, look, if you lose your life, you'll find it. If you work with me, I'm going to let you see some things. I'll show you some things. I'll never leave you, forsake you. You're never going to do this alone. I'll walk with you in it. There's so much more. Calloused heart, hardened heart. The phrase hardness of heart is throughout the Bible. Not only, again, Pharaoh, but the believers. And the causes of a hardened heart, you might want to write these down. If you really want to do some exploratory surgery on your heart, so to speak, um, you might want to think about this because this is, I believe, where the sources are of where our heart goes off. Three major sources of, of hearts that get hard and get, uh, start to get bitter and things like that. The first one is sin. The Bible talks about that. We should not flip out when we hear sin. Oh, pastor, you're saying sin. Am I a sinner? Yeah, we all are. Let's get over it, okay? Now that we've had that conversation, um, we all are. The Bible calls it that. Now, let's not call it some other weird thing or some symptom or some style. It's it's sin. It's missing the mark. And we all have it. And that's why Jesus came. But here's what happens. Sin needs to now be the exception, no longer the rule. It used to be the rule, but now it's the exception. But, but when we sin, if we go, ah, it wasn't really that big of a deal and go back and do it again, what happens, the Bible says about that pattern, is that pattern begins to callous us and harden us. That's why you've probably shared, maybe some of us in this room were way out there at one point in time, where when somebody shared faith with you, we didn't respond. Uh, maybe you know some people that when you share Jesus, they, they, like, they are so removed because they are so calloused because the way they're living sometimes is so far removed, there's just no sensitivity. That's what happens to a calloused heart. 
Um, sin will do that. The more we sin, the more calloused we become, and that's one that the Bible addresses. So let's not act like we don't have sin. We do. Let's identify and get rocks out. Let's pull weeds. Let's go back. Let's go big so that God can do big things. Another cause is not just sin, but it's bitterness. And bitterness is when we actually hold on to things that we should have let go of a long time ago. Maybe some things happened when you were a child and you held on to them. It's just been a way of life. You never even really had a, a moment for a holy surgery. You never had moment, a moment for the Holy Spirit to, to do a surgical procedure on your heart, but he wants to. He wants to. And, and, and bitterness is one of them. And when we hold on to things, the heart gets hard. It just simply gets hard. And a hard heart, God can't grow things in. So, so many times, the, the, the issue is a matter of bitterness. And another one is, is pain. Um, See, we don't like to deal with pain, and so sometimes we don't know what to do with it. And so, since we don't know what to do with it, we just kind of stuff it down there somewhere. And what that will do, too, is that will make us unresponsive to the things that God wants to do, because we still have pain in our heart. Maybe something done to you along the way, where your heart's been hurt, chipped or wounded, it's painful, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to bring it up. And if that's your response on any topic, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to bring it up, I would suggest to you there is a deeper thing going on that needs to be removed because God doesn't want you walking out your rest of your years with Jesus with this thing in there saying, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to bring it up. God would say, can I bring it up with you in a safe place? I'm great at fixing things and and I've seen this before. No matter what it is, God's, I've seen this. I love you despite of it. I see you through it and I see your capacity on the other side. Will, will you let me help take some of the stuff out of your soil? Because I want to put some other kind of seed in you that's, the, the capacity is amazing. The kind of fruition that can come out of your life in God's kingdom would be beautiful. But can we get some of these rocks and weeds out of here? I need to work with you. And God doesn't do it alone. He wants to work with us, I believe. The Bible puts the onus on us, not for being saved. That's God's free gift. It puts the onus on us on pulling some stuff out and turning and repenting. These things, we do it. God doesn't do it for us. We have to own some things. This process of pulling weeds, I think we got to partner with God in this. It's been said that the, the greatest human tragedy is not a broken heart, but a hardened heart. And I believe that's true from the perspective of God. See, God can deal with broken hearts. He's really good at restoring those. But hardened hearts usually stand opposed a hardened heart is like, I'm good, I'm fine. I don't need anything. And, and God's like, oh boy, but you really do. You really do. You need my love to invade your heart so we can start dealing with some things and letting you live on a whole new level. It's called the abundant life, which you're not living. And I want you to live it. But the only way to get there is to deal with this heart. And yet some are, some, some are hard like that. Um, so here's some of the tools. Since our heart are like a garden, We can't just trim. We can't just edge and mow a little bit. We got to turn some soil and we got to go in. And so uh, if you're a note taker now, this is how it begins on doing the renovation of your heart, really uh, tilling the soil of your soul, so to speak, and working these things out that God can grow some beautiful fruition in your life and in mine. I'm certainly not exempt from this. Uh, It begins with prayerfully identifying. Prayerfully identifying the source of some things. Um, There's a lot of people who refuse to look back. I'm not going back and looking at anything. I'm moving on. 
uh, there's a time, there's a season for everything under the sun. And I believe if you do this season really well and you do it very deep and, and you do it very intentional and really partner with God, um, I, I think you're going to find a, a glorious level of life on the other side. Uh, but it's prayerfully identify uh, these problems in our heart. The first point is prayerfully ask God to search your heart. The Bible talks about God searching our heart. But prayerfully ask God to search your heart. And the reason we need to ask God to search your heart is that you, you might start searching your heart yourself and uh, as you're doing it, you're, you're trying to come up with things, but maybe you're not coming up with other things. Uh, sometimes we don't even really feel what's going on in our heart. Uh, sometimes we've blocked out things such a long time ago, it's not, even, it's not even open for discussion. It hasn't even come to the surface in so long that we, we kind of tried to forget it and bury it. And that's why we got to ask God to search our heart. The Bible says the Spirit of God knows all things and searches all things. The Spirit of God knows all things and searches all things. The Spirit of God knows what happened to us. Some people don't even remember what, before they were 10 or 5 years old. The Spirit of God knows all things, searches all things. And that's why we get with God and go, God, would you search this heart right here? I don't know what's going on. Something's going on. I know there's some rocks in this soil. I know there's some weeds in here. I know you want to grow some great stuff. I want to work with you. I, I, some of the things I know right away, I know what the weeds are and I can start writing those down, but some, God, I, I honestly don't know. I, I haven't really come to terms. I, I, maybe my heart's been hard and I stopped feeling a long time ago and, and may, maybe you've got to start showing me. God's like, I, I'm good at that. If you want me to, I'll search your heart. I'll sit down with you. Remember, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro looking for hearts. God knows hearts. He's got like a laser scan. He can see right through everything, you know? When, when uh, Saul, uh, excuse me, when Samuel was picking the first king uh, after, after Saul, he was picking David and he goes out to Jesse's house and he's looking around, not this guy, not this guy, not this guy, it's that guy. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. God can see right through and go, that one is the one I'm going to use and do radical things because that heart's open to me. It's pliable. It's good soil. I can work with it. And along the way, will we ask God, God, will you, will you search this? Would you let me know what's in here? I'm willing to get rid of it. I, I want to move on, God. I can't live this way forever. I want to live in a level of freedom that you came. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. I, I want that kind of freedom because the, the past is somehow hindering me, God, and I want a freedom in it. So pray, uh, prayerfully ask God to search your heart. This is what it says in Psalms 4, 4. When you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. In other words, before you go to bed, be quiet. Prayerfully search your heart. Search your own heart. And we should do that. That should be an ongoing, regular thing, searching our hearts. But then Revelation 2.23 says, All the churches will know that the Lord, I am he who searches the hearts and minds. Jesus is saying in Revelation, I want all the churches to know that I'm searching hearts. I'm looking for hearts. I'll, I'll work with you. God doesn't expect you to do this on your own. We need him. He will partner with us. He will help us sort through stuff to get liberated and, and be a kind of uh, a, a people that he can do profound things in. And not only that, besides God doing things in you and through you, which I think is glorious, it's amazing, it's worth admission right there. Like, God, you can actually use people. Yes, it's beautiful. But what about just your love life with God? Just think of what, when you get stuff out of your soil, your capacity to love God and, and, and sense his love and return to you is going to go to a whole other level. We're going to be talking about that, you know, in weeks to come in this heart series. But think about that. 
Um, says Psalm 139. It's another great one. You might want to write these down if you're searching your heart. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way of everlasting. That's David writing this going, God, would you search me? There's some stuff in here. It's time to go. It's time to go. This stuff can't go with me for the rest of my life. It's come with me too far. God, would you search this heart? Let me know what this stuff is. And God, let's do business. It's time to move on. That is a thesis of Psalm 139 right here. And hopefully it's ours as well. Where we're like, God, it's time. It's on the, the chips and dings and wounds. I, we got to sit down. We don't need years of therapy. We need a holy moment with the Holy Spirit. And God's searching our hearts, insights, revelations. And you have to trust God and work with him in this. And so uh, when you search your heart, write down an inventory. If you're a note taker, please think about these steps because I really believe every believer needs to go through this. Uh, Ask God to search you. uh, and, And it takes the prayerful humility, but write down an inventory. Write down an inventory of what God shows you. I remember years ago, I was growing as a Christian. I was going to Bible studies. Um, I was serving God, Skid Row, prison ministry, these things. But I knew in my personal life, I was hitting a wall and it had to do with in here and it had to do with my past. And so it was recommended to me, this step of discipleship, of growing, of being sanctified, of going back and being intentional and turning the soil and being transparent before God. Well, I did. I, took a, I, I actually fasted and prayed. You might want to fast when you do it because you're pressing in and you're putting your spiritual eyes and ears on a whole nother level. That's what happens when you deny the flesh. If you want to fast, skip a meal or skip a day, whatever. Get away with God. Get a, go to the hill. Go to a beach. Put your phone away. No radio. Just get alone with God. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And when you are still, it's easier to know that he's God when we're still. Get alone with God in a manner like this. Pray, search my heart, O God. Search me. It's time to do business now, God. I'm here. I'm all ears. And and get alone with God. And then when you do, prayerfully ask him. And as God begins to reveal things, because the Bible says he is the counselor and the comforter. He comes alongside us. He helps us. He'll tell us what to say if we don't know. These are all the things that the Holy Spirit does um, by definition in the Bible. And so... Take an inventory. Take an inventory and be specific. You know, I think just saying, hey, I forgive everybody in my past. I'm good. I'm moving on. I think that's a nice general theme. But what I found in my life and in the lives of others, that general thing was not effective because they're still holding on to specific issues that people, times, and places were hurt or things we had done where we need to go back and be more thorough with it. So take an inventory of what God is showing you and don't be in a hurry, do it thoroughly. Don't be in a hurry, do it thoroughly. This isn't like we're a Starbucks generation, we get our double latte, we're zipping down the road with our Bluetooth. You know, this is how we're living these days. No, be still and know that I am God and be slow and be thorough and be intentional and get with God and get an inventory. And here's some of the things that you should put in your inventory. There's, there's three main things. Um, The first one is this, how we sinned against God. Let's start right there. Let's not worry about others or what happened to me back then. That's that's a little narcissistic to start. Just me, God, my stuff. Let's start first with us and God. Against you only have I sinned. First, God, I sinned against you. Let's start with that. Let's start with our sin and call it what it is. And, And ask God first in this inventory, God, how have I sinned against you? Search me. And God might tell you some things. 
things that we've committed or things that we've omitted. That's we forget that in Western society. But we commit things and we, we don't do things sometimes we should do. And the Bible calls that a sin of omission and a sin of commission. But the bo- bottom line is we've got some sin. We've got some stuff, all of us. We're working this thing out and we're trying to walk with God and falling short and missing the mark is called sin. So ask God, search my heart. Show me what this is. Write it down. And when you do, confess it to God. There is power in confession. The Bible talks a lot about confession. Confess it to God. Get alone on a hill, at the beach, in the mountains, wherever you need to be, in your backyard. Confess it to God and ask him specifically for forgiveness. Go down the line. Don't just go general. Be specific. This is, there's power in this. And, and the next one is how we sinned against others. Literally not sinning against God, but how do we sin against others? How did we step over someone's boundary or wound or affect them, intentional or not? We might start saying, well, it wasn't my fault. I didn't mean, did we do it? doesn't matter who's, did we do it? Well, then we stepped over a line. We encroached then. We missed the mark with somebody. And that's the definition of, of sin as well. And to uh, ask God, Lord, show me, search my heart where I've sinned against others. Because sometimes we're not even thinking about that. We can be like a bull in a china shop and we're going down the road going, what? What? You know, cutting people off, going, what? I'm sure you've had people cut you off. You've never done this. You never cut anybody off. I would never insinuate that. But, but I'm sure you've been cut off before and they're like, what? Right? People do that in life with stuff and sin. They're like, what? And they don't really know and we do it too. And so ask God, have I sinned against others? And, and if so, then confess it to God. And if you can, Go to others and ask for their forgiveness. You know, that's actually a really cool thing to do to show God's hand work and how his kingdom works out when somebody comes up to you after many years or you go to them after many years and say, you know what, I was just praying and I just felt this is something that God showed me. I need to ask you forgiveness for way back in whatever. You remember Christmas five years ago? Um, I said this to you and that, that, that was wrong. That was, that, that's, it's sin. Would you forgive me for that? They, they might not even remember it. It doesn't matter. The kingdom of God is on display and you're getting free. Amen? That there's, there's a beauty in it. So, so go back and go big on this stuff. And the other one is this. It's how others sinned against us. How others sinned against us. Do that one last. First, how did I sin against you, God? Either by what I did or failed to do. Second, how did I sin against others? This stuff is in here. There's rocks and weeds and chips and dings and stuff in this soil that you're trying to do. And, and then the other one is, Lord, uh, what about what others have done to me? Because, Lord, sometimes people threw some weeds in here that I didn't ask for. I didn't sign up for them. I didn't want them. I didn't order any weeds. I didn't order rocks and stones to be thrown in here. But maybe along the formation process, something was done to you and you didn't ask for it. But the reality is it's in the soil and you know it is and God knows it is, but it's left unaddressed. And until it's addressed, you'll be trying to grow things in a rocky soil and so will I. And so we got to go back to God. He's the, he's the farmer. He's the ultimate one who's doing the planting. He's scattering his seed and say, God, would you search this heart? I want, I want to get this stuff out, God. It's time. It's time to go big on this. It's time to be very intentional with this. And so... Um, when you do, when you discover what others have done to you, and again, do this. I've done this too. I've done this a couple of different times in my life, and, and I want to continue to do this, but uh, powerful times where God showed me stuff I would never think about in a million years. 
but God showed me. He will reveal these things. You have to trust that the supernatural God will meet with you when you do this. This is not just cognitive and make sure you have a good memory on that day. Have a good breakfast so you remember everything before your test. No. Get your heart in a place where you say, God, show me, please. The supernatural God will meet you. This is what he does. It's beautiful. So if you find that someone has sinned against you, here's a step you've you got to take. You've got you to realize that Jesus died for the sins of the world. He died for the sins of the world. That means not just the stuff that you and I did and prior generations did. It also means the stuff that was done against us. Anything wrong that was ever done against you and me, Jesus died for that sin. Now, the person who did it might not have come to Jesus and gotten forgiveness yet. That's that's between them and God. We'll leave it that way. But Jesus still died for it. They might not get in on the provision, or maybe they are getting in on the provision. But as far as you and I are concerned... Jesus paid a price for the sins of the world. Who are we to hold on to something? Jesus says, freely you've been given. Grace, mercy, forgiveness, freely give. Freely give. And so it's not a suggestion from God. It's actually a command of God. That if somebody hurt you or somebody did something to you, you have to forgive them. You have to. It's not optional. And if you say there's no way I'm going to ever forgive them, well, then you know what? You're going to have to go a lot deeper on this because you will be stuck in the kingdom of God. You will be stuck in your place without the freedom and the fruition that God has in store. You have to. You have to. We've got to move on. And Jesus came for this freedom. You can't say, I want all this in the kingdom, but I'm holding on to this. It doesn't work that way. We've got to release things, and God gives us other things. That's, that's God's economy right there. Um, but... Forgive them. Jesus died for their sins. Release them. You know, Christians practice the catch and release program. You know, when you're fishing, you catch something. That's cool. And you throw it back. You know, when you discover what something is, when you discover what sins are, you put them before God and you release them. It's a catch and release program. And also tell God, God, forgive me for holding on to this. I've been holding on to this. Something did against me for seven years, 12 years, 20 years, whatever. Ask him because we're not supposed to hold on to it. Forgive the person for what they did, and then ask God to heal the place. Heal the place. There's a wound in there. We won't act like there's not. There's a wound in there. There's a chip, a ding, a bruise. There's a hurt. There's something. There was something that was hemorrhaging way back then. There is a scar. And after coming to terms spiritually on what to do with it, say, God, would you heal that place in my heart? Because it is wounded and it hurts, and God's like, beautiful, I'm gonna work with you through that. And if you take these steps you're going to see that what the devil meant for harm in your life, God is going to turn around for the good. What used to weigh you down will now propel you because what used to hold you back like a chain will now be part of your testimony. Instead of walking in a limitation and, and, and constrained because of our past, we'll walk in a glorious liberation because we're experiencing a fuller aspect of God's kingdom, which is really deep levels of forgiveness and healing and freedom. It's all the soil of our heart. It's all the soil of our heart. So on that note, I just want to close. And if the worship team comes up, we want to pray. We want to seal some things in our heart. Um, but I also want to ask our prayer team to come, come forward. I, I hope all of us in this room, when we have a message like this that really goes to the core of our heart and we're all reflecting our personal things or issues or you know, speed bumps along the way, I trust there are things coming up. And that's not a bad thing. That's the beginning of a really great thing. And so... My prayer, too, is if you need to come up to the worship team and say, hey, I'm really working through this or I'm having a real problem with this or 
what are my next steps or anything like that, please come and see our prayer team. They're going to partner with you, inviting God into the beginning of this process in your life. And I also want to say that if, you're, um, if you've gone through this before, where you've tried to work things out with God, but you go, yeah, this is kind of big, this is kind of deep, I, I really want to encourage, uh, we, we just shared the ministry earlier of breaking every chain. And we want to encourage you to sit down with, with, with a team of people who love Jesus, who also are called to partner with you in those steps. So work through this stuff and see where you can land with the Spirit of God. And then sometimes there's some things that go, you know what, this is a little deeper and wider than I thought. Beautiful, beautiful. God's got an app for that. He's got a provision for that. And so, so, so allow us to partner with you because we, we're here for your freedom, not just your salvation, but for your freedom and the fullness of God's calling in your life. I really believe uh, that's what God wants to do in our city. So uh, on that note, we're gonna, we're gonna close in prayer. But mighty God, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of it. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.